Going to the beach, especially to the ocean, let me turn the thing on again, is a lot of fun. At least I think so. One of the things people immediately start enjoying is the sand. If you've ever have been to the beach, you might remember how your feet sinks right into that sand and how the sand feels between your toes, both wet and dry sand. Each type of sand has a certain sensation. By the way, Connor is not opposed to telling us how wonderful the beaches there are in Florida. Now, some of us really like the wet sand, so we can build things like sand castles. But eventually, after building your sand structures, the waves and the tides increase. Eventually, it wipes all your work away. The sermon today is called James, the right thing to do. Cleanse, judges, the right thing. The first point is cleanse. Last week, we talked about the challenges of worldliness and godliness. Uh, the real challenge are those Christians who live in both worlds at the same time, meaning they have a focus on worldliness and a focus on godliness. James says that those who live in both worlds are double-minded. And this behavior must be dealt with and repented from. And how do we do this? We do it with humility. James chapter 4, 8 through 10. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humility is an important aspect to the follower of Christ. It deals with the heart, and it deals with the mind. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about many things, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. The Beatitudes, letting the light of God shine in your life, direction on anger, lust, and divorce, oaths, dealing with enemies, how to give, pray, and fast, and where your treasure should be, as well as Anxiety, judging others, the golden rule, and lifestyles. There's a lot there in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And Jesus, if you never notice this, how does Jesus wrap up this lesson? Well, it's about the wise man and the foolish man. Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. What does the wise man do? Easton, I got that one for you. What does the wise man do? He builds his house on the solid rock. And what does the foolish man do? Anybody wants to answer that? He builds his house on the sand. And Jesus uses that story not as a way of developing building techniques, it is about common sense. That is common sense for the follower of God. I call it godly sense. 
The mind of a humble person to obey Christ in his teachings is the one who has godly sense. So change your hearts by obeying God's will and not the will of worldliness. So let me ask you this, how much humility does it take to obey God? If your parents, Christian, Katie, ask you to do something and you give issue, are you humble? And if God asks us to do something and we give issue, are we humble? James chapter 4, 8 through 10. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. A call to repentance is a call to humility. The second point is judge. On the slide behind me, some of you may know who this character is. His name is Judge Frank Caprio out of Rhode Island. Uh, Lee, I did not have a picture of you in your outfit. Don't have a picture. <laughs> judge Frank Caprio is, has been a municipal court judge for many years. He is known for cases that have been shown on TV over a few decades. Many of his hearings surround the issues of low-level citations. I've watched him on YouTube a few times. He's, he's funny, he's caring, and severe to those who don't respect his court. But what I find interesting in him is his desire to understand the human perspective, the circumstance of the defendant. Sometimes the stories can be rather moving even in cases uh, of a, of a, a low-lying stature. Now, his cases usually start with a camera, because in Rhode Island, they have uh, lots of cameras that caught a person breaking the law. The interesting thing about the camera is that it does not give opinions. A camera does not give opinions. It takes a snapshot of the supposed error, or I should say error, and then the judge deals with the issue, the circumstance, the human factor. Now, judges can either be elected or they can be appointed. I think that depends on the state and the type of judgeship they go towards. But this process is done officially, isn't it? I cannot go to our governor of this state and say, I want him or I want her as, the, as a judge. He's not going to listen to me. I have no authority. I have no official business in that realm. Nor can I claim myself an actual judge and start having hearings that uh, would, I imagine, be very unconstitutional. I don't know if that's a constitution thing or not but it's not going to be accepted. Jesus said to one man in Luke chapter 12, verse 14, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? Now, this is Jesus speaking. He's in his ministry, and this guy wants a judgment 
on a particular issue, but not just in a, a, an opinion or the correct understanding of Scripture. He wants Jesus to be a judge, to make a, an official judgment. Certainly, Jesus would have been a fair, righteous, and merciful judge. Absolutely. No doubt about it. He would have done a good job, but that was not his official job as a judge, was it? He wasn't elected or he wasn't appointed as that kind of judge from a worldly standpoint of view. This issue this man wanted resolved or made in his favor, most likely, was for the elders of the community or an actual judge to, to hear, to decide upon, for them to decide what the law of Moses commanded in this particular situation. Man, who made me an arbiter or judge in this case? I don't have an official capacity in the world of man in this area. But, of course, Jesus did understand the law, did he not? And I taught a parable about covetousness, which, if the man was listening, should have dealt with the issue pretty well. But he wasn't a legal judge. Take it to court. Let the law decide. Many times people want to take the law into their own hands. They become the judge, jury, and executioner. This might be done with words or fists. You might or just might put someone in a lynching and be totally wrong because you decided to be the judge when you weren't officially appointed to that task. I think this is why God hates gossip so much. It's a form of judgment that is not legal or official. James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. The focus of this passage is for brethren who judge other brethren. And I would say for brethren who judge other brethren who are not in the official capacity of bringing down judgment. It's not that we don't know what is right and wrong in Scripture. Or we can't explain God's teachings that someone may be violating. You know, this is, that's part of brotherly love if you're doing it with the right heart. But if I said that a person did this or that against me or them and I cannot forgive, what have I just done? I'd made judgments against the law and against God because what does God want us to do? Forgive. But if I say, I'm not doing it, I can't do it, I have just become a judge. Am I judging that person? 
not necessarily, I'm judging the law that God brings in front of us. And I said, it's not good enough and I don't have to listen to it. I'm arguing against the statutes. That's not my place. I don't have official business there. Would this be an act of humility towards God? If I said, I can't forgive that person, it might take time, but if I just flat out said, that's it, who am I really judging? The law. God's expectation and commandments for his followers to follow. On the flip side, is to judge a person in good standing before God when they are clearly not. This is big in our society today, and I say it's becoming more and more prevalent in churches. The homosexuality issue. And we should love those people. We should help them come to God. But if I was to say, that's acceptable by God, when it clearly has never been, what have I just done? I've judged God's word, and I said it's not valid. I am putting myself over God's rule, and I said, I don't have to listen to God anymore. I have become a judge with evil intentions. And I'm declaring something that God does not. James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law. So we see there is a law aspect to this and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. You put yourself in God's place. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to declare God's word Something not so that you can put somebody else in a more positive or negative relationship with God when you have no right to. Who are you? Who are you? Our goal is to follow God's teachings. He is the judge. He is the lawgiver. We should follow him. And what he expects. Third point. The right thing. What is it? <laughs> what is the right thing? James chapter 4. 13 and 14. Come now you who say today or tomorrow. We will go to such and such a town. And spend a year there. And trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist. That appears for a little time. And then vanishes. Here we again finding ourselves dealing with worldliness and godliness. Is making a profit the issue? No. Is being involved in business or trade the issue? No. Is going somewhere for a long time to work or otherwise the issue? 
No, the issue is being double-minded. Focusing on God and the world as if they are equal. Instead of just God and then letting him guide your life even when making money. James 4, again, 14 through 15. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If God permits. If God permits. I have watched a few Turkish movies with English subtitles. I have to put in there. Some of them have have a fair amount of Muslim faith in them. I've heard a word that is said in some of these movies. It means, if God permits. Inshallah, if I said it right. Inshallah, if God permits. That's usually how, if you want to do something, you plan on doing something, somebody will say, Inshallah, if God permits, if, if God allows it to happen. Some say it, from the movie's point of view, as you look at it from an observer and acting, some say it with sincerity, and others just say it because it's expected, even in that particular culture. A double-minded person will put God first when it suits him or her. But a person with focus on godliness will think and act differently. I would like to do this or that, is this your will, God? Is this your will? I'll strive for this. If it works out, I'll go with it. But is it your will? James 4, 15 through 17. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, your boast is in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whatever, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. What is the right thing James is referring to? Well, in context, it is the idea of putting God first. It is the idea of putting God first. When I was much younger, very young, and I knew this passage, I was such a Boy Scout that doing the right thing was picking up the trash and throwing it away. If you don't do it, you sin. You know, that's how I interpreted it. It is not being double-minded in your faith. The sin James is referring to is the sin of arrogance. It is the sin of not being humble before God and his wishes. James said this type of boasting is arrogance. It is evil. Kind of like judging your brothers when you don't have that role. Or misjudging against God's law. It is evil. It is opposed to God. We have many kids in this congregation considering their futures. With parental help, I am sure. Have you prayed about it? 
Is your prayer a demand or a request? I'm going here. That's it. No one's stopping me. Or if the Lord wills, I go here. I hope I go here. But if he chooses somewhere else or something else, that's where I'll go. Have you asked God, asked him, not demanded, but asked him, where should I go? This life is over like this. Anybody have a PhD and think their life's going to be any longer? No. It's okay to get a PhD. Where does God want you to go? I know people who refute. Now, this, this is touching home probably. I know uh, people who refuse to pray to God in matters like these for fear that God will choose something they don't want. God, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to go down any path that you have for me. That's a, that's a prayer. God, send me where you need me to go in the manner in which I'm supposed to go. Sick, health, job, career, family, no family. For example, I have seen, I have seen, and I'm not putting them down because I'm a parent too. I have seen parents and grandparents not support those who choose the ministry. They will move away is the concern. They will not be wealthy is another concern. This is a responsibility for someone else's kids, not mine. Is this the type of double-minded thinking? God asks you to consider him first and let him be your guide. As the song goes, the wise man built his house upon the... The foolish man built his house upon the... Very good. The lesson is called the right things to do. Cleanse. So we need to clean our hearts spiritually and be humble before God. Judges. Unless God asks you to take a role as judge, let his word take care of it. And third the right thing. It is to find out what God permits. It's that fight against arrogance. It is that decision to be humble before God. It's nice to see all the wicks burning still as you prepare for the day when the Lord comes when you don't know it. Continue to keep your wicks trimmed and your oil filled. If there's anybody here today who has any concerns in their life, any prayer requests or otherwise, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. Sweet are the promises, God is the word dearer far than any message man.